Y'all ready to be history? It's started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Thanks to Tribooth, the best vocal booth for home or on-the-road voice recording. And Austrian Audio, making passion heard. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robert Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. Line up, And don't forget the code TRIPAP200, and that will get you $200 off your tri booth. Now, Robbo and I were having a bit of a chat the other day about archiving, uh, which is something I strangely do, and I don't know why I do it, but I do. But there are different reasons for archiving, and uh, mine is obviously completely different to Robert's, and of course, it's completely different from um, Robbo's. So, how much do you archive, and how far back do your archives go? Well, I the, the as I said in the conversation yesterday, I actually archive everything. I, I could pretty much pull out any session I've done since Voodoo Sound existed, which is fast approaching 20 years. Um, but I do charge a backup fee to my clients, so they pay $25 for the privilege. Um, and look, to be fair, whether they pay it or not, I do archive it. But um, it, it's sort of it, it's a built-in, you know, cost covering for me to be able to um, to go and buy a couple of hard drives every year. But um, I reckon if you're going to do it, the most important thing for me, anyway, is is having some sort of naming convention. So um, I actually yeah, exactly. pinched mine off Foxtel when I used to freelance there. I, I like the channels had a a three letter prefix. So I, I give all my clients or podcasts a three letter prefix, and then I use an underscore, and then it'll be what the thing is, whether it's a, a program or imaging component or whatever, and then the name of it, and then the month, and then an underscore, and the and the date, the day of that month, and then the year, and then an mm. underscore in the year, um, and then usually sometimes after that, if it's a revision, I'll do underscore r r two r three r four, um, and and then each each year is on its own hard drive or hard drives. So if I need to go back and find something, I've just got an external um, hard drive player, shall we call it? I can't think of what you call them, but you just plug your hard drive in and it it turns up on your Mac and and I can just go through and find what I need. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I you know I've got clients that are sort of expecting me to do that. I um as you and I were talking about yesterday, I don't know whether maybe voiceover artists are expected to or not. But you know, as I said, I kind of thought it would be nice no, to be able to. I do it only on occasions when I, if there's any chance that they're going to come back and want to do a revision or or they're going to lose something, particularly if it's a massive a session or something that I've actually done the edit myself, I'll keep it because you can bet your life that they're the ones who are going to come back and say, have you still got that thing because we've lost it? <laughs> we, and yes. It's like, it's no, I haven't chestnut. actually. So I keep all those things. But I was keeping day-to-day stuff and it was like, what? what's the point? You know, it's like that stuff's already been on the air and it's off the air, it's gone. So why am I storing that for other people? But, uh, yeah, interesting. What about you, Robert? I have a couple of perspectives on this, I guess. Uh, from just sort of a mix operation point of view, what we have is a, what you call a, it's a JBOD, just a bunch of drives is what it stands for. And it's controlled with the RAID controller. So there's eight drives in this one. And it's not that big, actually. It's only, um, 
what is it like maybe two terabytes or something and across all eight drives are all of our jobs that are sort of current essentially and um it, the way this, the JBOD works is that if it's a, it's an array, and so y- you can literally lose any one of those eight drives can just completely go cr- to crap, and we won't lose any data. You just slide a drive back in there, and it's not a RAID 5 or a RAID 6 it's RAID or something? 6, actually. Yeah. Right. So you can lose two out of the eight, I believe, is what we are. Um, and we've had it over the last 10 years. We've, you know, we, when we bought it, we just bought a whole stack of the same hard drives <laughs> and we've only had to use like two in the last 10 years. That's so that's like kind one. of our live job. And then what we do, we would have, uh, um, all of our live jobs on that drive. And then if we ran out of space, we would, um, peel out whatever. We would just go for like the jobs that aren't active. So some of these jobs that we have were on that drive and have never been, they just keep on coming back essentially. So they're always on the active drive. Meanwhile, the people that come in and do one thing and then they're gone, you never see them again. They get moved off. And then we would um, make two copies of that. And what we've been doing now is like, I'll go home with one and Sean will go home with the other. But um, however it goes, they're just basically on dead drives or they're not spinning anymore. They're just sitting on a shelf so we can access those. And then what we have, um, so last uh, for a backup of the main drive ray, if the building was to burn down, I was using um, time machine and then taking a drive home every now and then, but we started using Backblaze, which is just a really good service. It's like cheap for the year and it just backs up. As long as the drive is spinning, they don't charge you, I think, by the size. They're just like, it just has to be an active drive. So that's our off-site backup. And then we just have a a database, which is really just a spreadsheet, where a job comes in, we have like a naming convention, and we name it by the na- job name and then a, a job number. And there's a database that has basically every time that job was ever touched. So to us, these are all like a bunch of little rolling snowballs that get bigger and bigger and bigger. And jobs come back and they get added to, and or they just never go away and they're always on the active drive. And, and that's how we do the post operation. The music operation, when I'm mixing a band, um, I just have like a hard drive that sticks around with me for a while and then eventually it gets put on a shelf and I have a lot of these drives that are sort of um, just dated and um, and I've used uh, I've used source zip a lot back in the day when I was like <laughs> low on hard drive space but the problem is some of these drives are 40 pin IDE drives and I keep around a one firewire case that has a 40 pin like you know I can plug in any one of these hard drives and then others are SATA and those are really easy with the USB slots or the USB docking, you know, for the SATA drives, but it's looser. I just basically go by date and the client will say, Hey, I did something with you and I'll just go rummaging through my hard drives and uh, hopefully find one from that date. You know, every now and then you may do two hard drives in a year, but that's, those are my two systems. One is very stringent and good. And the other one is loose. <laughs> so George, do you know any other talent who store, you know, archive their sessions? I think the vast majority barely are functional on a computer that I work with. So they have extremely minimal protocol. I, um, I know a lot of talent that don't even make a backup, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. As far as they're concerned, once they got paid, they could care less. It's gone. <laughs> um 
some people are more data processing type people like me and they like to keep everything they've recorded. And so what I would tell people, which almost never comes up, but I, my, my protocol is I have an archive hard drive that I will dump things onto about once a year. So I'm basically clearing space off of my local drive slash cloud drives. Um, I use Dropbox, Google Drive, and iCloud. So stuff's in different places for different reasons. My business is on Google Drive, right? So every single client folder is on Google Drive at all times. And there's something around a terabyte or so there. And that's not that much because I'm not doing multi-track productions or in most cases any video, right? It's just small numbers of files. But my client media folder is 250, on disk anyway, because it's bigger than what's on my disk. But what's on disk is about 250 gigabytes, and there's roughly 32,000 items in that folder. Wow. Um, and then, it's funny, I'll, I'll look at, my, I, have, I have one, I just have 26 folders, A, B, C, D, and so forth. And the biggest folder is the letter C. So statistically... There are more people by the name of C, and I go by first <laughs> names, right? So C, first names with C are the most common. <laughs> and then then S, then J, then A, then D, then M. It's kind of funny. You know, I have all these weird statistics about names because I have four or 5,000 clients. So <laughs> it's really interesting to see some of the names that are so common. I've got I've got stuff. This is how stupid it is. I, I think I'm actually a hoarder. Um, I've got I've got files here. Like I keep a folder for each client, and then every session gets put into the folder. Right. I look at some of them, and I, I even looking at the folder, I go, God, I haven't worked with those guys for years. But and then you open the folder and look at the date of the you know, sessions. It's like yeah. that was like you know 15 years ago. What the yeah. hell am I keeping that for? You it's know? amazing, right? Well, data is cheap. It's really really cheap yeah. to store data. Yeah. I mean, it's it's never been cheaper. So it's kind of like there's no harm in doing it. You just have to eventually clear house. You're eventually going to fill your cloud drive or your local drive. So you have to have some kind of protocol to then move things. So you eventually I, have to take it into your own domain and not have it up on the cloud. And right. And and there's an old thing with data though, which is you don't have a copy unless you have two copies. Right. True. This is what I think is interesting. So all these cloud storage scenarios have not changed price or capacity in many years. They're all still $10 for a terabyte or two terabytes. And that hasn't changed in a long time. The meaning of a terabyte hasn't changed. Right. So what they're doing is they're making progressively more money per terabyte over the years. Yes. Because their cost of storage is dropping, dropping, dropping year after year. And they're just keeping the price the same. But they are they are continuously having to reinvest because like another thing about archive and storage is that any and and this is the problem I have. It's like an archive is not a static thing. It must be moved and massaged, and it, you have to keep it moving with the technology going forward. Because yeah. if not, you end up with things like I've got archives. I mean, I've got analog reel to reel tapes plenty of those with stuff right. on them and I can yeah. dig up the deck to play it back. But once you don't have that deck anymore, you just don't have it. Yeah. And I've got dat backups and exabyte backups. Remember those Robbo? Yeah, I do. And, <laughs> and, uh, wow. and CD ROMs. And, and then, and then how about this one that happened to me? I did a whole huge, one of the biggest albums I ever did. And I backed it up to a stack of DVDs. Yeah. 
like DVD Rs. Uh, DVD Rs. Yeah, 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 like four four gigs each. Wow. Not right. terrible. Like not four gigs each. I think were they four gigs each? Is that how much they were? I think so. Yeah, four, and then dual layer were eight or something, weren't they? Eight. Right. Okay. So and these were some crappy ones. Within three years, I went to play those things and basically dead or rot. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was gone. Mm. I mean, like, that's that's when you learn the lesson. Yeah. And so if you don't keep your data moving, you don't know what's going to happen to that physical device that's holding it. And not just what happens to it, but what happens to the ability to even use that type of device or that type of software that reads it. But so here's the interesting thing, right? I, I, was, I dragged out an old laptop case that I used to store all my DATs in when I used to f- sort of freelance and I always had DATs, especially if, for radio imaging of, of bits and pieces that I would drag around with me. And I had to pull it out the other day and this thing's been sitting in my garage, right? So not temperature controlled, not dust controlled, yeah. nothing else. There's about 60 DATs in this thing. And I've, I've got an old, it's not even on a digital database. It's an old sort of folder that's got like, each dat yeah. has it has it has it, its own master and all that sort of shit. So I pulled this out, right? This is stuff that I recorded when I was still at Triple M in Adelaide. So we're talking 1996, right? I dragged this dat out, and my trusty portable Sony Walkman, the TCD D100, dragged that out, oh, yeah. put some batteries in it, plugged it into my Mac, chucked the dat in, going, "There's no way this is going to work." Hit, you know, dialed up the track number, and hit play, bang, spun up to it, played it back, pristine. Absolutely pristine. <laughs> no glitches, no static. I've had the same thing happen where the DAT machine has been completely screwed, and then you have to get a new DAT machine, but at least you can get those. But when the DAT tapes go, you're kind of like... You're SOL. You're just so... Exactly, you're SOL. Like, maybe you can find a read pass that works, but for the most part, that part of the tape is just, like, screwed. But this that kind of thing happens even with files. I had a road... No, not a road. A Zoom. Road, you'd be happy to know it's a Zoom. And um, <laughs> it was like a Zoom recorder. Recorded the files, a full concert, got home to play it, files, complete silence. And it turns out that basically the Zoom didn't like the little SD card. It was too slow, it was too this. Yep. And every indication was everything was fine until that file got big enough for the SD card to freak out. So... All these mediums, even the new ones, still have their frailties. And I know dads are really known for being frail. Like, look at it wrong, and it's never going to play back. So, Well, the really <laughs> pro media, right? The, the pro devices that use media, like solid-state media, usually have redundant disks. They all have mm-hmm. two slots, whether it's SD or CF or some other right. high-speed. They'll always have a double slot because they have redundancy. That's totally. at the really pro level. That's for doing like because video. if you don't have two copies, you don't have one. Yeah, that's yeah, and you know that's that's like when you're doing mission critical, you cannot afford to lose what yep. you're doing. You My know, daughter's that's the concert. level you work at. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, the oldest media I have, it's still in a crate in my parents' basement, are DA88 tapes, mm-hmm. which were high eight digital yeah. tapes, and. Um, I don't have a machine anymore. I really don't recall telling my dad it's okay to sell my remaining Tascam DA88, but apparently he that did. happened. <laughs> so I was just at LA Studios and they still have their PCM 800 in the rack, which is a Sony yeah. version of a D88. Um, oh, I still have right. ADATs around and then 
you, you know, there, yeah, there's... Yeah, I have no idea if those DD8s, some of them will work, some won't, don't. I don't have a machine. I don't have any IDE drives anymore. Everything's SATA. But I, one day I pulled out this cardboard box with like 15 SATA drives. And I realized I could just go to Costco and buy a $100 hard drive and literally put that entire box into one into one hard drive. Yeah, and exactly, I should probably yeah. do that. In fact, I think three or four years ago, somebody said, hey, do you have this thing? And I went, I think I do. And I pulled out the archive drive and it wouldn't mount. I was like, okay, <laughs> right. this is going to happen. But here's yeah. the other thing, right? And this is the thing that annoys me. And, and I've made this mistake is you've got to keep a track of this stuff because, you know, you, you, you're always trying to sort of downsize your archives, I guess. And and this is the classic mistake that I made. I had for years, I carried around these 15 inch reels of analog tape, right? Stereo tape. Yeah. My first demo of, of commercials and stuff was on this stuff. And when I went to, when I finally landed this place called Take Two, where which was my last sort of full-time post-production gig, they still had a, a, a quarter-inch machine. And we're talking 2001, 2002. And I thought, right, this is probably the last time I'm going to see one of these. So I transferred yeah. it all carefully professionally onto DATs and all that. I had about three DATs of stuff. And about two years later, I looking, went looking for them. Do you reckon I've ever seen them again? I've lost them somewhere. But, you know, whereas a 25-inch reel, that, or sorry, a 15-inch reel, that's pretty hard to lose. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you, you got to be well, careful. Yeah. Well, it's funny. When I was a kid, this is slightly off topic, but it's, I suppose, archiving in a strange way. But um, during summer holidays, a, a mate of mine, we used to go and try and get jobs. And he's brother was a painter and decorator and he used to get us out there you know doing a bit of laboring for him and he said oh do you guys want to earn some money it's like yeah yeah so we jumped in his transit van and we took off down to london and uh, ended up working in a recording studio and we were painting rod stewart's office <laughs> what pink and he had the what office color? above this it was. I can tell you exactly what color it was. Uh, it was mission brown <laughs> and, burnt, and burnt orange. Okay, I, oh, I knew there would be something like pink or orange. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. A pair of brown <laughs> and mission. orange headphones right here. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, it was pretty pretty funny. But the recording studio downstairs, um, they, they just used to bin all this quarter inch tape. Oh yeah, just throw it away. Mm. So it was bins full of. My dad was in electronics, so I I thought. I might just help myself to some of those. I mean, they're throwing them away after all. And it was just seven-inch reels, so I just grabbed a whole bunch of seven-inch reels out of the bin, took them home, and didn't play them for some peculiar reason. We just recorded over the top of them. Right. God knows what was on those tapes. Can you imagine? So check it out. Um, one of the studios that I freelance at, one of the gigs they had was transferring before auctioning off these tapes that this janitor got out of a recording studio in New York. It was CBS or something. Turns out it's like uh, the masters or some early tapes from Dylan's first album. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And so... They auctioned them, and then they, in order to prove, like, they had to have one playback. I don't know, like, they, they ended up, like, supervising the transfer. But literally, it's like, you know, these tapes, they were supposed to go through the bulk erase, mm. but not all of them would make it to the bulk erase. And yeah. um, and this guy apparently was, like, kind of into folk music and just happened to pull these out, and they just passed around for years and years until finally some grandparent or somebody's like, hey, we're going to auction these. <laughs> Do you reckon they stuck yeah, them yeah. in the microwave before they played them back? 
Well, it's not the microwave. You put them in the dryer, in the in the dehydrator. I've heard stories and stories. Yeah. It was always the microwave for me. We we always used to nuke them, for, and you'd get yeah. one playback. But yeah, yeah, I haven't heard of the, the dryer, the, but that's it's getting that tape because because you ever ever seen one that does it that you don't sticky. do that to? Yeah, it's crap. it just it pe- well it peels like yeah. it's peels. The, it's yeah. the scariest thing. It goes through that p- pinch roller. One t- piece of tape comes into the pinch roller. And two pieces of tape come, come out. out. One is the original <laughs> tape. The other one's the oxide that briefly looks like a piece of tape until it crumbles into dust. Yeah. And yep. the other's the back. And you're just like, oh, because it's playing. And you're like, okay, I should just let it play because this is the last playback. <laughs> I should have been rolling on this. Ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, going yeah. back to the Rod Stewart thing, was it Steve Balby on this show that was talking about the. Um, uh, he, the, the, he, Steve was the the bass player for Noiseworks, and his his next band was what was the, um greedy people electric hippies electric hippies, and they they needed they needed multi track to to record their album, so they snuck into the archives and stole a couple of the Noiseworks ones. Was That's it, right, telling they that did. Story? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, I, they they stole some, some multi track tape from somewhere. Some yeah, it was Noiseworks stuff that yeah. they went and stole. And yeah, ran it and did and their own album over, over the top some of band's it. archive. <laughs> yeah, well, his <laughs> yeah, first band, did. yeah, the previous band, they stole their previous band's multi tracks and used those to record on. So, yeah. Okay, at least it was theirs. But yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, bad archiving there. I know. But yeah. <laughs> I guess the other thing that this whole subject leads to, and I guess George, this is more up your alley, is um, the thing that always terrifies me is if I've got a remote session, I'll I'll set it up the night before and I'll test everything and I'll save it and and make sure that I don't really sh- shut anything down. I'll just leave it all working. But the thing that terrifies me as I'm walking back into the room is, you know, what's gone wrong overnight when the, when the computer's gone to sleep, you know, has something ticked over or something gone wrong and I'm going to open up the computer and I'm just going to get into this panic that something's not working. Is there is there anybody out there in voiceover land, George, who has a plan B? Or who's ever thought about having a plan B? Like, okay, so if my main computer for some reason just carks it and I can't get a sound out of it, what am I going to do? Then I'm pushing a broom. Yeah, yeah, what Mm. am I going to (laughs) do? I mean, the plan B is most people have a desktop and a laptop. So the laptop's the plan B. I mean, that's pretty pretty much it. I mean, that home studio voice actors systems are pretty, let's face it, low end. I mean, you don't need a workstation, a five, $6,000 workstation mm, mm. to do voiceover at home. So you really just need another computer. And yeah. for most people, that's going to be the laptop. It's the and travel rig. Isn't, isn't the, the travel, travel rig, rig the backup rig too? Yeah. I mean, I've had yeah. clients like run and grab their travel rig when something completely goes haywire with their Apollo or whatever. And they're panicking. And I'm like, just pull out your MacBook, plug in your MicPort Pro. Plug in your 416 and get the job done yeah. and move on. Yep. And the client will be happy because you're in your studio, which sounds amazing. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm, that's kind of uh, what yeah. people, that's the backup plan for any really true busy professional yeah. um, voice yeah. actor, you know. Do you know, I, I did, um, when I used to really panic about capturing audio that it wouldn't go wrong, I would actually have two microphones. I worked at two microphones, one going to the main computer and one going to the laptop and I'd have them both recording. Oh my God. Yeah, that's like BBC. Remember, wasn't like the 70s where they would duct, literally duct tape a second mic? Because yeah, one yeah, mic yeah. was for the yeah. television show and one was for the 
film. Yeah, you would see that, like w- like many microphones. Exactly, that's true. Because yeah, they, they didn't have distro boxes and and splitters and stuff back in those days, I guess. So, um, but yeah, I, it's I don't know. We've never gone to that extent. But in in the, in the beginning of my career, I did have clients running Pro Tools that had a DAT backup. That was definitely protocol. Pro Tools was so glitchy. Yeah, you would, you would run a DAT backup with a DAT tape. And in fact, the way we ran the DAT backup was that you would record the talent in the stereo, and then you'd put the ta- the clients on the left side so that you had both sides of the conversation, but ah, the talent yeah. was always at least isolated on one channel if you ever needed right. just the talent. There you go. Yeah, so, the, mm. so I, um, I mean, I retired DAT backups from my clients 15 years ago. But Howard Parker had one. We had a DAT recorder, and he would just hit record every time he'd walk into the booth on the DAT and rewind it, you know, because we just didn't know if he'd walk out and a half hour later and Pro Tools had a 61, whatever the hell it is, you know, buffer. One of those fun errors that pop up that you got to go Google what it means, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, as a voice actor who's solo, working at home in their own in their closet or, or their, studio, their booth, and at those times, we didn't necessarily have a second monitor, keyboard, and mouse in the booth. So, you know, things, you know, you don't want to lose a session. You don't lose in a half an hour, an hour, or two hours narration. Yeah. And that's the worst. The worst ever is is when there's a nonsensical glitch during a two-hour session, and you don't know what's happening. You have no idea. And meanwhile, the audio is basically garbage. It's like yep. static. That's why sometimes in a session, it is a good idea when you're like, okay, this is good, stop and record a new file. Because computers, like, you know, if something's right. going to happen, it's more likely to happen to a big file. Back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for a file to that was really big to be more likely to get corrupted, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have set up in a modern equivalent to the DAT backup, which is getting like a $100 Tascam flash recorder, mm-hmm. real basic one, and then plugging that, plugging an output from their interface or their mixer into that and then saying, listen, you're doing a phone patch. It's a two-hour narration. You do not want to lose that work. Just hit record on that thing over there. Now you have a backup. You'll almost never, ever need it. But the one time that you need that freaking say, backup... It's like if, you, if you don't make the backup, you'll need it. If you do make the backup, you won't goes. need it. It's like if you don't bring your umbrella, <laughs> exactly. it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's that is a absolutely dirt cheap and extremely simple. You can even have a Scarlett two i two, and as long as they're not using monitor speakers plugged into it, you can just use the outputs, put it in direct monitor mode, and it'll just send whatever you're saying straight out the back. Line into your Tascam, you know, like I'm saying, a hundred dollar recorder, the basics, the really basic one, and just uh, and record. Yeah, it might be through like a little eighth inch connection. It might be mono. It might be analog. But you know what? It's going to be something compared to nothing. It'll probably be, no one will even know that it wasn't necessarily a digital copy. Yeah, it can be a 16 bit, 44 or 48 wave. It's fine. Yeah. I, I've set those up for a lot of people. And when I go to their studios or I talk to them, they almost always say, oh, I haven't used it in a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, because they just, they're so used to it being reliable. It's so, until it doesn't work. Though. Yeah, until, until the day it falls over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, agreed. and that's why I have clients that hire me, and I work with them on a membership and like a contract, and I, I check their systems out on a regular basis. Like I do maintenance. I check uh, how much drive space do you have? Are you backing up? Is the backup working? Oh crap! The time machine backup hasn't worked for six months, and you had no idea. 
Right. Yeah. You filled your yeah. time machine drive. Exactly. Or you filled your time machine or, you know, um, whatever it is, it can sometimes just corrupt, get corrupt. What's my time machine right now say? It says cleaning up. I don't know how long it's been saying cleaning up, maybe for a <laughs> month. I have no idea. I just clicked on it. It says cleaning up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So redundancy is really important for those big jobs that, you know, where you're the engineer essentially. I, in the I think it's yeah. a thing that back. starts to separate like a really pro operation from, you know, it's like if you're there with a backup when someone needs it and they're like, I didn't even expect you to have it, but you have it. Yeah. It's, you're, you're now like, you know, you're delivering. And um, I think there's. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm keeping everything I ever do, it's all in the cloud. At any moment, someone will email me and say, I, my computer crashed. I lost my stacks. I also can't find the email you sent me with the stacks or the email you sent me with the stacks. The links don't work anymore because it was another cloud-based system that I don't use anymore, right? Mm. I'm like, no problem. Within like 10 I can literally be on my phone, go to Google Drive, put in their name. We would just right-click on that thing and we would get the share link, email to the client. I'm like, here's your folder. It's literally yeah, everything perfect. I've ever done for you. And they're always grateful and I never charge for it because mm -hmm. I feel like we, you know, we charge a pretty penny for what we do. And it's just one of those things that's so incredibly simple. It's not like I'm trying to keep online, you know, I'm not trying to keep an online storage of like a two terabytes, you know, for a client, yeah. you know? Yeah. These are not big folders. A big client folder is two you, gigabytes. You've you got know? to be careful what you keep, though, too, don't you? Because you got to. You can become a bit of a hoarder very quickly. You really can. Stuff yeah. Data hoarding is, is what's, what's the problem? Yeah. It's digital data hoarding is like I could care less. It's 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 again. I'm not dealing in video, and I'm not dealing in big projects. So I can keep thousands of folders, which I do, and I don't care. They're always. It's not. It's no skin off my back. See, I used to back up all my video too you know all the videos that came in for tv commercials and stuff and the revisions yeah. and i used to keep everything the video gets back all really, that up too and oh, after yeah. a while i just went man this is crazy so i've actually got i've actually i keep it for like it ends up two years now because i i basically have two hard drives that i rotate so when one's full i'll stick it take it out stick it aside get the other one yep. put it in and erase it and go again so i mean i figure two years yep. is enough but, um, I feel um, like for any voice actor, it's an absolute no-brainer to use some kind of cloud storage, mm -hmm. iCloud or Google Drive. iCloud is essentially automatic. The second you put anything in, into your desktop or your documents folder on any modern Mac, it is in the cloud. Um, it just is. And so it's kind of a dirty trick to get you to upgrade your cloud because it will fill up very quickly. But if you're not the kind of person that wants to think about another service and pay for another service and shop for one and then think of a way to just use the dang iCloud, it's built in, it's automatic, it's cheap, $10 a month for two terabytes. It'll take you a long time to fill that thing up. Yeah. It's a, just to me, it's a no-brainer. If you're on Windows, there's an equivalent in the Windows side. I just don't know what it is. OneDrive, I think. Yeah. I heard you mention um, Time Machine before. Can I give a shameless plug to someone who's not a sponsor of the show, but something I've used for years and I love is um, carbon, carbon copy, copy cleaner, cleaner, which is... Um, ah, yes. I love carbon. I, I use the bejesus out of that. I used to use it. I don't use it anymore. Such a but, good piece of software. Yeah. No, that, the beauty of that was you could have a secondary disk that was plugged into the computer that was literally an absolute copy duplicate of your computer. Yeah. So you could literally have the system drive crap out you know, hold I mean, down. And, and you can use that as your targeted backup. It's a lot more. So, I mean, 
I, I, I used to point my hard drive at home to the hard drive at work so that it could get onto the back blaze at work. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's a hack. Well, yeah, I mean, just to have that was a nice thing. Now, now here's the thing. Here's a little gotcha for all us Apple people. If you're on an M1 or any of the Silicon Macs, they can no longer boot with this, with a dead system drive. So if your system drive in an, any Silicon Mac is toast, you cannot boot to an external USB drive. Oh, really? So just really? Oh, there FYI. you go, because I've got one running. I've got a backup running, so that's no good to me. If the internal drive system is blown away, it's unaware of any external drive. It can't Why did boot. they do that? I don't know. That's Tim Cook. That's Tim Apple. He knows. It's Macintosh. That's why they did that. Yeah, Apple, Apple. Uh, because it's more, it's it's the slow progression of your computer into an iPad. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's annoying. I mean, I, I live in Dion option booting the computer. So do I. And having like different, man, that's an. I'll check. I will re-verify that. But when they, when they, when the Silicon Macs first came out, this was a bone of contention people were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, um, here's just what the first search result on Google says. If you're using a Mac computer with Apple Silicon, your Mac has one or more USB or Thunderbolt ports that have a type C connector while you're installing Mac OS on your storage disk. It matters which of these ports you use. Okay. Well, that's totally irrelevant. <laughs> and there's nothing to do with the answer I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> how do you start up your M1 or M2 from an external drive? There's another thing. It's not easy as it used to be. Um, and likely requires that you purchase new hardware. I mean, you used to be able to boot up this. a Mac from the network. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, yeah, I, I'm, I'm reading this article from Macworld. I'm just skimming through it. Awesome. Um, you know, just say? I don't want to, I don't want to say something that's untrue, but this is what I recall day one when it came out. This is what somebody said. That's right. Really and annoying. so, yes, you have to have a special, a certain type of drive. Um, actually this article might mentions, mentions bomb bitches, um, carbon copy cloner. Oh, so we'll boot from that. And it says, no, it just uh, mentions the process. Carbon to copy your drive, probably. Yeah, they're explaining the entire process, but that, that external drive has to be formatted in the correct way. Let's say you buy just a random hard drive, like a Western Digital, and you plug it in and then make that your clone. It will not yeah. work. You have to. Well, have it, always, it always it. had to be, you always had to make it like guide. Partition, I think it was something like that. It changed yeah. over the years. Like, like it used to be even like HFS plus, and then it's or yeah, now it's APFS. Yes, the Apple. container. Yeah, it's file. APFS. Yeah, port, yeah. So I know we're going down a rat hole here, but <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of thing you have to think about if you're really wanting to have redundancy. I do, and have a system that can essentially crash and be online within you know a minute. Yeah. Um, and for most voice actors, that's going to be just too frustrating and difficult to maintain. And for them, just to have another computer they can plug in and go is really the most practical thing to yep. do. That is kind of like the ultimate backup. Yeah. Yep. I was going to get rid of my Mbox Pro but, and my 2012 Mac Pro, but I think I might hang on to both of those and they might just be my backup. Good well, idea. if it's easy for you to plug those in and get back right back to work, then yep. it's worth keeping. I reckon yep. that's the thing. I might just sit them in the garage, put them away in a, a box and seal it up. And I can just grab them when I need them. Yeah. Sounds go. good. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Well, who's backing up this podcast then? <laughs> oh, shoot. Did you hit record? <laughs> well, that was fun. Is it over? 
the Pro Audio Suite with thanks to Tribus and Austrian Audio recorded using Source Connect edited by Andrew Peters and mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging with tech support from George the Tech Whittem don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group to leave a comment suggest a topic or just say g'day drop us a note at our website theproaudiosuite.com